the Canadian Military History Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Lacroix. Music provided by the 48th Highlanders of Canada. Today's guest, Brigadier General Richard Delorier, OMMCD, Canadian Military Engineer Branch Colonel Commandant. No, as Toronto Militia District, I believe we had approximately a thousand soldiers. We needed three thousand, and that's what we were striving to achieve. So there was a big push on, and we were trying to get the recruiting on track. Because I'm sure you remember it was the years of really tough and long time to get a soldier into the forces. Welcome to the Canadian Military History Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Lacroix. You may have noticed during the intro that I decided to add the appointment of the guest for today. What I would like to do is decide whether or not the appointment should be part of the intro or not. And I'm going to ask you, the good listener, to give me some feedback on to whether or not that's a good idea. Because I might interview somebody who is a section commander, and later on in their life they would become something else. But is section commander something that I want to have as part of the intro? Or I might interview somebody who doesn't have an appointment, really. They're just one of the many people that do an excellent job, but they don't hold an appointment. So I'm kind of struggling with whether or not I should have the appointment as part of the intro or just to keep it the way it's been and simply cite their name with their post nominals. So that's something I need some feedback from you, the good listener, and let me know which way to go with that. The other thing I am looking for is some feedback for anything that you might remark on. I'm always appreciative of the feedback, and there's a couple of different ways that you can do that. One of the ways, you can go right onto the website, and you can click on the guest book link, and that's found at www.CanadianMilitaryHistoryPodcast.ca, and just click on the guest book link and leave some comments or remarks. You can also go on iTunes. You can leave some remarks on iTunes by navigating first to the podcast, and then on there, you'll see ratings and reviews. Just click on that and leave some comments or feedback. You can also send me an email at MikeLacroixCMHP at gmail.com. And finally, there is the Facebook page. You can leave some comments on Facebook, and I'm appreciative of that as well. And it gets out to a wider audience, and it's more timely as well. You don't have to wait for an episode to come out. Talking about Facebook, the Canadian Army posted a link to the Army Commander's episode, General Haynes. And at the same time as that came out, my stats on my website went through the roof. No regrets there. That's what I want. So I was really appreciative of the Canadian Army Public Affairs Branch for posting a link on the Canadian Army Facebook page to the episode with General Haynes. Today's guest is Brigadier General Des Delorier. And I say Des because that's what people typically know him as. His first name is Richard, but people call him Des. Those people who have that privilege to call him Des, nevertheless. And he has a very unique career where he built up to the rank of Master Warrant Officer and was presented the Order of Military Merit, and then had a second career within the Engineer Corps and worked his way up to Brigadier General and the Commandant of the Engineer Branch. He's one of the very few people to have received the Order of Military Merit twice in his lifetime, and that is an exceptional achievement. I remember attending General Deloria's Depart with Dignity ceremony when he retired from the regular force. The gift of choice was very fitting for him, and it was a crossbow, and it was selected because of his outdoor spirit and his interest in being in the outdoors, and of course hunting that goes along with the crossbow. But he's a very kind person. He's often regarded as a true gentleman. The other interesting fact is that this week marks the 111th birthday of the Engineer Corps. So it's quite fitting to have the Colonel Commandant of the Engineer Corps on their regimental birthday. It is my distinct pleasure to have the opportunity to present to you my guest, Brigadier General Des Delorier. 
Brigadier General Delorier, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you for having me, Mike. You're very welcome. Sir, you and I first met when you were the Chief of Staff of 32 Canadian Brigade Group, and I was one of your brigade recruiters in the mid-90s. Yeah, I remember that era well. I had just returned from Germany a year or two before. Toronto Militia District at that time then changed names and was reformed into 32 Canadian Brigade Group. Of course, there were nine other brigades for a total of 10 across Canada. The big focus at that time, of course, was recruiting. We were having a lot of difficulties during those years getting soldiers into the forces. It was a long, drawn-out affair, and young people don't like waiting around. They want instant reaction, and if they decide to join, they want to be able to get in and, and get busy. And we were going through a lot of difficult years with the processes of recruiting. So we were trying to focus recruiters. We were trying to brigade recruiters so that they could recruit for all the units in the brigade and we could push soldiers where we needed them the most. It was a tough time and a long haul to build up the strength of 32. Well, sir, personally, I know that that was some of my most memorable times in the Canadian Forces. Being a recruiting sergeant, I really appreciated the trust and confidence that you placed in me by selecting me as one of the four recruiters, giving me the opportunity to not only strengthen my own regiment, but also the regiments on my left and my right. You'd be pleased to know that right now, 32 Brigade sits at a strength of 2,700 soldiers, so well more than double and pretty close to the goal. And, you know, that's due to a lot of the focus we had on recruiting and the total leadership focus on recruiting. I remember meeting after meeting with all the unit commanding officers and chief warrant officers. It was recruit, recruit, recruit. But, sir, we don't have enough money. Recruit, recruit, recruit. (laughs) That was the theme, if you will. And it's obviously worked because uh, I think 32 is fairly strong now. I think we had that meeting last week, sir. It sounds very familiar. (laughs) But anyhow, we won't go into that. Sir, I sent you the questions in advance. Are you all set? Absolutely. Great. Why don't you tell the listeners why you chose to join the Canadian Armed Forces? Well, my story is going to perhaps be a little bit different than some others. I know many of my buddies over the years joined because of uh, long family ties. And uh, I hearken back to General Leslie, who sort of had a, a century of military experience behind him or before him. My dad was in the Air Force during the war, but he never deployed. And other than that, I really only had a couple of uncles that had served for short times in the military after Korea was over. I didn't have that connection. It did twig me. And here I was, a young 15-year-old in high school. I was the local track star. I was the big bopper in my small little high school in Dorchester, Ontario. And quite frankly, I was just getting bored with school. I wanted more excitement. I wanted travel. I wanted more of a challenge. I really didn't know what I would do for a little while. And then all of a sudden, I just happened to see an army truck drive by in downtown London. Turned around, went right to the armory, told them I wanted to join. They said, well, you're only 15. I said, I'll be 16 next week. And they said, well, what would you like to do? And I said, well, I'd like to be an electrician. And I have no idea, Mike, where that came from. It just popped out of my head. But uh, he said, okay, we'll come back next week. We'll do a bunch of tests, which I did. I was selected. And before you know it, I was in the old boy soldier or sapper apprentice program. Wow. What was the world like when you joined? What was it like? Well... That was the uh, Vietnam era for the United States. Still fairly early on in the Vietnam War, as you know, it carried on until 73. But that was definitely what was on the news almost every night. And you would see the Huey helicopters and the battles going on and the jungle warfare type of reels on the newscast. And of course, the casualties. Hippies, flower children (laughs) were around. 
Of course, most of them were against the war, so there was a lot of news on a daily basis, anti-war. And the music was Vietnam or anti-Vietnam or I miss you because you're in Vietnam. It was that era, definitely. Right. And what year was that, sir? 1963-64. Uh, I joined in 1964 on my 16th birthday. Something I always remark, certainly not in the 60s, but later years, how people were able mm -hmm. to do their job without things we take for granted nowadays, like cell phones and email, and you must have lived that whole spectrum. Well, methods change, but leadership doesn't. If you have the capability to care for men, to know what men need, men and women, of course. Of course. Sure, the methods changed. The old chief warrant officer's boards used to be a bunch of cardboard cutout name tags, <laughs> and he would have them on a whole wall in his office. I was the regimental chief warrant officer's clerk, one of my earlier jobs. I would cut out these little cardboard name tags, and he would move them around. He'd have them laid out by squadrons and troops and sections, and he would move them around. He'd have different colored tags that he would put on them for what qualifications they had and or needed in the near future. Now it's all done on a computer, I'm sure. The process has changed. I don't think the real bottom line of getting to know your men, working with the men and women of the forces, getting the job done, getting the mission accomplished, no change since at least as far back as I go, and I'm sure many, many years before me. What were you like when you joined, sir? Well, I joined on my 16th birthday, so I was a pretty young, immature, inexperienced pup. I mentioned that I had won the Ontario Junior 440 and the hurdles, 100-meter hurdles. Coming from a very small high school, I was really king of that high school, lauded by everybody as the school track champion. So, of course, that went to my head immediately. <laughs> so I thought I was bigger than I really was, and I thought I could go out and do anything I wanted in the world, and I really didn't need this education. Of course, it doesn't take too many years to realize that was a mistake. Luckily, I joined the Canadian Armed Forces because at that time, in the program that they put me into, I was turned from that snotty little 16-year-old into a very young gentleman very quickly, as they were wont to do way back then. It was a two-year program. I joined with 135 other 16 and 17 year olds. We lived in barracks with 30 or 40 people to a long room, of course. You change very quickly and you mature very quickly right. or you don't make it quite simply. Mm. Luckily, that program gave me a trade. I did become a combat engineer. I got the secondary trade of being an electrician. They also upgraded our schooling by two years. So it took these young kids who perhaps wouldn't have made to go to themselves on civilian street and, and give them a good start in life. What was your most memorable experience in the Canadian Armed Forces or your greatest achievement, sir? Wow. Many, many, many. I completely have hated and loved my entire career. <laughs> Good times and bad times. I think the most memorable was my deployment to Vietnam in 1973. Wow. I've already mentioned that was the daily news from CNN of the day to CBC to BBC. Everybody was reporting on the war in Southeast Asia, Vietnam in particular. We more or less lived it on a daily basis. Then all of a sudden, as a brand new young sergeant, I was told I was deploying to Vietnam with about 200 soldiers. We were going down there, the International Commission for Control and Supervision, theoretically to supervise the peace that was going to occur when the Americans withdrew in 1973. Of course, history tells all there was not a peace. <laughs> a couple of years later, the North Vietnamese Army overtook Saigon and the rest of the history. But for me, 
It was something I'd heard about for most of my life and seen on a daily basis on television. Of course, uh, that struck fear into everybody's heart that what a terrible place to be, what a terrible place to go, what a terrible thing that was happening down there on a daily basis. And boom, here's young Sergeant Gloria being deployed down there. I was fearful, but at the same time, it's one of those hate-love things I mentioned, absolutely looking forward. That's what we joined to do. Something exciting, challenging, scary. And in fact, it was an outstanding six months. The mission was not successful because there was no peace to observe. But what an outstanding six months of seeing the world from a different side, if you will. Seeing how cruel the world could be. Seeing how nice the world could be because there's lots of things that go on in war that are different from the hard and the tough side of it. Absolutely. I think I grew up in six months more than I've, I've done in any six-month period of my life. So extremely memorable, for sure. Please come back for the second part of the interview with Brigadier General Des Delorier. Thank you for listening to the Canadian Military History Podcast. I hope that you've enjoyed this episode. If you did enjoy the podcast, please leave some feedback on iTunes. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please send me an email at mikelacroixcmhp at gmail.com. Please let me know if you'd like me to read your comments on the air. While you're waiting for our next episode, please visit the website at www.canadianmilitaryhistorypodcast.ca or the CMHP Facebook page. If you'd like to support the podcast by making a donation, please click the PayPal link on the webpage. The next time you're considering buying something from Amazon.ca, please visit the Canadian Military History Podcast website and click on my Amazon link. A small portion of your purchase goes directly towards the support and maintenance of the podcast. However, your great price from Amazon doesn't change. All donations will go directly into the production of the podcast. All music is used with the express permission of the commanding officer. NTAG music is provided by the Princess Patricia's Canadian Light Infantry. Views and opinions are those of the guests of the Canadian Military History Podcast and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Mike Lacroix Productions, the Government of Canada, or the Department of National Defence. This is a Mike Lacroix Production.